Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Talking Hockey Sense. My name is Chris Peters. This is episode 72 of the podcast. So glad you could join me for it. We have a great episode today, and it is going to be a lot of college hockey talk. We've got one of the best insiders in the land, Brad Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald. He'll be here to help us break down the playoffs and also the very exciting and always notable college free agent class this season. So we're going to talk a lot about that. So there's quite a bit of prospect stuff, but we're also going to talk about the playoffs, the NCAA tournament forthcoming. It's the best time of year. We're right in March. You cannot get better than this. And we are really excited to have Brad on the podcast. So I'll bring him on in just a minute. But before we do that, I wanted to remind you that on Flow Hockey, you can watch some of the college hockey postseason. The CCHA, Atlantic Hockey, and College Hockey America all of their tournaments are on Flow Hockey, so you can watch every game of that. And if you watch the end of the CCHA regular season last weekend, holy smokes, are you in for a treat? It is always fun to watch these games as they transpire. Series, you know, just battles, everybody's going for it, and everyone playing for the opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. Automatic bids are on the line. So make sure that you have signed up for Flow Hockey if you haven't already. And as a reminder, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice. You can also watch every episode on YouTube and on flowhockey.tv. So there are many ways to interact with this podcast. Also, if you ever have questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at Chris M. Peters as well. That will help you get some of these questions on the podcast. But we've got so much to get to today and so much that I want to talk about that I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to bring in our guest today, the very, very knowledgeable and informative Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald. Brad, so glad to have you on the show today. And uh, it's great to have you back on the podcast. You're you're the you're the ratings champion and the superstar champion of this uh of this endeavor. So it's it's great to have you back, buddy. Yeah, it was great to chat with you, Chris. All right. So the postseason, this is really you know, I think it's it's my favorite time of the year. I think NCAA tournament time, you know, you think about the different points of a season there's world juniors there's other things like that that i get super pumped about but there is something special about the college hockey playoffs and the college hockey season so we're going to start there and then we're going to talk a little bit about the unrestricted free agents the undrafted free agents in college hockey not the strongest class ever but some very interesting names to track as well as some other players on expiring draft rights but before we get there brad let's just talk a little bit i want to start with the ccha as i mentioned at the top 
an insane finish to the regular season, a little bit of controversy as well. You can watch the entire final two minutes of that game. We clipped it out and, and deliver it to you right on Flow Hockey. With a minute 50 to go, that game went completely off the rails. Minnesota State, Michigan Tech playing for the McNaughton Cup. Michigan Tech looking for their first outright conference championship in McNaughton Cup since the 70s. And Minnesota State looking for their record sixth consecutive regular season championship within either the WCHA or the CCHA. And sure enough, the Mavericks end up doing it. There was goals disallowed. There was insanity. And the amazing thing about all that is actually Minnesota State's chances at the <laughs> at the national tournament as for as an at-large got worse after that weekend. Uh, kind of crazy how uh, the pairwise works out. But Brad, just a, a couple of quick thoughts on once again, the inevitability of a Minnesota State Conference title and the battle that Michigan Tech put forward in that one. Yeah, that was kind of fun last night. I uh, was going to flip on and watch a USHL game, and all of a sudden uh, that popped up right on flow. And I'm like, oh, I was busy covering a game. I have not watched the last two minutes of this game. So uh, even though I kind of knew what, I, what was coming, it was even crazier than I actually thought. <laughs> so yeah um that was something what a what a season it's been in, in that league and I you know I think what stands out to me when I looked at Michigan Tech at the start of this year uh, I saw a team that lost a lot of key players and I thought they're gonna have a tough time finishing in the top half of the league there's a uh, a lot of good teams in that league this year I thought it was gonna take a step forward and I didn't think Michigan Tech was gonna be able to I might have picked them fifth well Blake Piatala has had an absolutely phenomenal season and has really pushed Michigan Tech all the way almost to the top of that conference. And, um, you know, having good goaltending makes a huge difference. And Blake Piatala has been that guy for uh, Michigan Tech. I, I've been really impressed by uh, how they've been able to handle some of those major losses they had from last year. I mean, they had uh, multiple guys sign NHL deals on that team last year, and all of a sudden they're right back in it. So that's uh, impressive. And as you said, you know, Minnesota State, we've kind of come to expect them to be there. We almost assume they're going to be there, and, and they were. It was a different route there this year, but at the end they still uh, climbed the mountain. Yeah, they sure did. I mean, like, you know, the, nobody has ever won six consecutive regular season titles. And coming into this season, it was a question of whether or not Minnesota State would be able to do it. But here they are yet again. And as I mentioned, they're pairwise standing. They are currently on the bubble, on the tournament bubble, despite winning the regular season championship. As we as we speak right now, as of this recording, Minnesota State is 15th in the pairwise. That means they are you know, couple at large or a couple of auto bids and you're out. And so that's a tough position to be in for them. And the reason that they dropped was because of Ferris State. Ferris State swept them and then lost to Lake Superior State this weekend. And it really shook up, you know, the computer rankings a little bit. And that's why Minnesota State is in a precarious position. So now there's still pressure on them to win the Mason Cup, to win the CCHA and get that auto bid to make sure they're in. Michigan Tech, meanwhile, 11th in the pairwise, sitting pretty. But, you know, you got to make sure that you take care of business in the playoffs. And I think that there's a, these two teams very well could be on a collision course to meet again for another trophy. So uh, it, it's exciting. It's fascinating. And I think that if you haven't been paying attention to the CCHA this season, um, you know, and, and certainly there are times where, and I'm not just saying this because they're on flow, 
you know, this has been one of the most entertaining conferences of the year, just in terms of the pure competitiveness. I mean, you look at what Bowling Green has done this year. Northern Michigan has been good in different spurts. St. Thomas has come on in the second half. There's a lot of things that have happened in that conference that have made it a lot more competitive and a lot more interesting. And I also think this is a conference that's going to continue to be aided by the transfer portal and being more competitive and more, um, you know, we're going to see a lot more of a challenge for Minnesota State. Yet Mike Hastings does it again and gets them over the top. But as you mentioned, Blake Pietala, another guy that, that you know, for Michigan Tech, you know, I think he's going to have to be in the consideration for the Hobie top 10. I don't know where Michigan Tech mm-hmm. is without him. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, they, they end up on the losing end. They gave up a goal with, you know, a pot. They gave up a power play. Then they scored shorthanded to tie it. Again, you can watch that all on Flow Hockey. Michigan Tech also had a goal disallowed. So there was just, it was drama on drama on drama. And there will be more of that in the playoffs. So we'll keep a close eye on that. But then there's another, since we're on the topic of the pairwise, Brad, there's another amazing story developing in college hockey this year. Ladies and gentlemen, the University of Alaska Fairbanks is in the tournament right now. They are in the tournament. We are talking Nanooks hockey. Another, you can watch every home game for Fairbanks on Flow Hockey. They don't play very many of them because they're on the road so much. But you look at what this team has done. They go on the road to Arizona State, sweep the Sun Devils, and they're now 12th in the pair rise, sitting pretty for an an at-large berth into the NCAA tournament as an independent. I mean, is this not insane, Brad? Yeah, and, and you know we we've seen an independent make it before with Arizona State, but this was a team that didn't even play two years ago. Um, they, they have a lot of challenges, uh, geography. Uh, you know the fact that the, it feels like there has been this uh, impending doom of the Alaska teams that they have to recruit against. I'm sure, and for yep. them to have the season they've had has really been impressive. Uh, they, you know, they picked up uh, Radomski uh, out of the portal, and he's been really good in net for them from Holy Cross. And uh, th- that's a team that just continues to get it done. And uh, going 4-0 and against Arizona State was impressive. I, I was able to catch the games that were in Fairbanks uh, on TV, which are uh, or on uh, flow here, which are phenomenal for us college hockey fans because you can come home from your games in the central time zone and watch a game from the start. It's, it's fantastic. So I've actually watched a little bit of the, the Nanooks this year and um, they're impressive. You know, they, it, it's not like yep. they're getting outshot by 30 and finding magical ways to win these games. They're playing really well. Yeah, they absolutely are. And they also have the, I think their blue jerseys might be the best in college hockey as oh, well. And those, so those jerseys, those are just absolutely <laughs> stunningly beautiful. We love a good polar bear um, anywhere we can get one. Um, but, you know, just wanted to run down some of their impressive wins this year. On the road at Notre Dame, very tough place to play. They got they got a split there. They got a split at Denver. They, As you mentioned, they went 4-0 against Arizona State this year. Um, you know, they, they lost two very close ones to Penn State, another tournament team. Split with Northern Michigan. Split with Omaha. Split with St. Thomas. You know, I think the only the only series where they weren't especially competitive was against Michigan Tech, where they only scored two goals over the weekend, and they ran into one of the best goaltenders in college hockey. So we're looking at a very impressive run. Now, we should mention, it's not a done deal yet. 
Fairbanks still has two games. They're both at home against Lindenwood. You can watch those on Flow Hockey on March 3rd and March 4th. Those are at 7 p.m., 7.07 p.m. Alaska time. Um, so stay up late. Watch the Nanics. I have absolutely – I agree with you completely, Brad. You and I both, we're up very late often, um, mm-hmm. and they are – so we are right in the prime zone for Alaska hockey mm-hmm. And it is an absolute blast to watch. So um, very impressive there. Another thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is the top of the pairwise and the top. And we're seeing Minnesota. It looks like they've found their their footing. Ultimately, you know, they've had different stumbles here and there, um, but they were really impressive last weekend against Ohio State. And I, I mean, I don't know. You've seen a lot of college hockey this year. Have you seen a line that's better than Matthew Nyes, Logan Cooley, and Jimmy Snuggerud? Because I don't think I have. Yeah, I think that uh, that line you was one. You know when it's on the. You know when those guys are on the ice. Um, they yeah. they play fast. You know Nyes adds a, a big body element to that line. A, a different. Uh, he's a different player than the other guys. They they kind of have different compliments. You know Snuggerud. Uh, can just rifle a puck. Uh, Cooley's got skill and can create space. And uh, that unit's been really, really good for Minnesota uh, this year. And the one thing to remember in the NCAA tournament, TV timeouts are longer. That means top teams can roll out those top lines more than usual. So I, I often think uh, teams with really, really good first lines or teams that can uh, sometimes excel in the tournament because they can play a little bit more with those lengthy TV, TV timeouts. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they are remarkable. They have the only two freshmen in the country that are over 40 points um, in, in Cooley and Snuggerud. I also wanted to pull up just a couple more of the, the Minnesota stats because, you know, the, the amazing thing is, we you know, I've talked about the Hobie Baker Award, and I, I, I on, my, on my most recent watch list, I had both Cooley and Snuggerud, but not Nice. And I think if you would talk to a lot of Minnesota fans, and I certainly have in the last since I put that out there, some of them would say that it's actually Nice that should be the guy that gets it, even though he doesn't have the same level of points. But he's on the cusp of 40 points as well. So you've got an entire top line. And I was thinking about some of the best lines that we've seen in college hockey over the last few years. They all had fun names like the CCM line of JT Comfer, Kyle Connor, and Tyler Mott That at the University of Michigan. That line was absolutely dominant. The CBS line at North Dakota that you covered so closely of Drake Kajula, Brock Besser, and Nick Schmaltz, uh, the Pacific Rim line from Denver. I mean, there have been some really good lines, but mm-hmm. as I look at this, we're, we're talking about two first-round draft picks, another guy that anybody that would do a redraft of his own draft would put high in the first round in Nyes, um, a guy who could be playing in the NHL playoffs at the end of this season, uh, depending on – although Toronto has suddenly made, like, no room for anybody uh, with all the trades that they've made recently. Um, luckily not parting with him, which was kind of a nice piece of work there by Kyle Dubas, not to lose your top prospect. But then you throw in that top line, and then you've also got Jackson Lacombe as a 30-point defenseman. You've got you know Bryce Brodzinski as a 15-goal scorer this season. Brock Faber is playing massive minutes and is a good two-way defenseman. Mike Kester had a had a four-point game, a four-point period against Ohio State last weekend. Um, and then on top of all of that, you Justin Close, who's at a 928 save percentage, and, and let's not forget, this is a guy that came, had, had to be called into action at the end of last season because their goalie signed an NHL contract out of nowhere, and and now all of a sudden you're you know you're 
and basically leaning on him. 31 games played, 22 wins for Justin Close. So, you know, I, between between the uh, on paper, and I've said this from the beginning of the season, I think on paper, Minnesota is the best team. But Brad, you know, you've seen them up close. Is there any is there any concern? Is there is there a, a point of weakness? Is there something that they're going to have to prepare for as we go into this postseason? Well, uh, you know, I think we we talked preseason with our our picks, and uh, I think you have Minnesota number one, and and I had I went with Quinnipiac as my number one team, yeah. and they're lurking right now. They're they've had a really impressive year. I know their schedule is not uh, nearly as challenging as Minnesota's, and you wonder how Correct, that affects yeah. a team when they start playing really difficult competition in the postseason. However, Harvard is a very good team. And they beat them twice. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Minnesota is a very good team. They, they absolutely could win it all. I, you know, I think they're one of those top echelon teams. Sometimes the older teams win in college hockey. And Quinnipiac's an older team. They have like yeah. seven fifth-year seniors. And a lot of times I default to uh, teams that are a little bit older. And, and now when you look at Minnesota, they do have a veteran blue line. And I think that's a difference between maybe them and a little bit Michigan last year. Uh, Michigan rely, they, they did have some veterans on that blue line, but I think Minnesota's is better than Michigan's was last year. But still, um, I, I think there is something to be said for uh, older teams that can make it hard to play uh, against. But, you know, it, it's hard to see them slowing down that top line. But, you know, that being said, I, I really think Quinnipiac is a good team. Um, that, that, that's a, a team that I've had on my radar all season long and is right there. So uh, time yeah. will tell. But uh, to me, those are the two best teams. And they are the two top teams in the pairwise right now as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess if you want to know what's going to happen in a college hockey season, listen to this podcast and then you're going to, you're going to be completely set because we had the one and two teams at this stage of the season. Um, I don't know if it took an expert, although Quinnipiac was pretty inspired by you. Um, And here they are, you know, with, with only three losses at this stage of the season. And so, you know, I I think that, and I did want to go there next is, you know, and, and I think we, you know, you kind of covered it, so we don't really need to rehash it, but, you know, Quinnipiac is one of those teams where they are older, they're heavy, they're good defensively. Um, Minnesota is the second youngest team in the country at 21.1 years old. The youngest is Michigan um, at 21 years old. So, um, you know, and, and youth is, is definitely can be a problem at times. And, and I think that that's, you know, it can be a lot of teams Achilles heel and they, there are a lot of coaches this time of year when they're talking about their team, they're looking at, they're looking up and down their roster. And I've talked to a few, so we're, we're pretty young. We're pretty young. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, that's, that's the only concern is that we, we know we can play, but we're pretty young. And uh, let me tell you, it helps to have 25 year olds sometimes <laughs> to uh, lower the temperature you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. And, you know, I know there are some people that, that, that don't like that, but I mean, I just think that that is part of what makes college hockey unique. It's also part of what makes it a great development uh, league where you're playing against older, more experienced competition, because older players are often not going to be the more skilled guys. The guys that are still in college at 25 years old are not going to be the most you know dynamic players. What they are going to be is they're going to know every single little trick of the trade. They're going to have four years of junior, four years of college, in some cases, five years of college now with the COVID year. And you are, you know, you're, you're just up against it. So 
that's the top of the pairwise. I, I did want to bring it back locally to you because the NCHC has been very interesting. Denver continues, you know, the defending national champion continues to have some big weekends. They got a huge sweep at Western Michigan. Um, and that was, I thought that was a, that was a dangerous game for the pioneers. I thought that was the kind of game that, you know, that they could potentially slide into and, and the way that Western Michigan had been playing, you know, you wonder, but looks like Denver, you know, they, they, they have been pretty darn good this year. They've got Good talent up front. They've got a lot of guys that score. They've had adequate goaltending. Their defense is highly involved in their offense, which sometimes you wonder if they're going to be able to defend at the level necessary. When you look at a team like Quinnipiac, that's going to make you work for every inch. You know, there are definitely times where Denver can kind of wane. So I just, based on what you see in the NCHC, are there any teams that we haven't mentioned yet? And and, and I include Denver in this, um, you know, that, that really are looking like legitimate threats for the national championship. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, in, in different ways, you know, like you said, Denver, they, they just did it. So a lot of these guys have won it. They, their big question mark probably was offensively. And, you know, being able to add Tristan Burroughs and Casey Dornbach uh, has helped them, you know, just keep going. You know, just, you wonder how you, how can you produce when you lose the guys that they did, like a, a Savoy and a Brink and Cameron Wright yeah. and, uh, Gutman and Stapley, you know, there's some big names you they lost, but uh, they're able to bring in some transfers. You know, Aiden Thompson has been really good for them uh, ever since he came back from his injury in November. So they're right there. I, I think there's some other teams that are looking right now. St. Cloud State, huge question mark. Since they lost Dylan Anhorn, they haven't been very good. A completely different team. They've also been playing on the road. Uh, which means they're playing on NHL sheets instead of their home Olympic sheet. I think uh, we'll see where they go from here, but they're they're definitely not at their best right now. Western Michigan has been scoring a ton this year. Uh, I think that makes him the other thing that makes him a threat. Cameron Rowe has come around in the second half of the year. He struggled before Christmas. He's been great since then. So that's been big. Yep. Uh, question mark for them. Carter Berger hasn't played the last four games due to injury. He's been a huge piece of that team. Um, Jamie Rome was a really uh, important uh, piece of their first power play unit. They kind of set it up around him one-timing pucks. He's out too. So how will these injuries affect uh, Western Michigan? I'll, I'll see Omaha coming up here. Uh, they've kind of been all over the board this year, but uh, in the second half, they've up their consistency and and now they're on the bubble right now uh, of making the tournament uh, right now North Dakota probably has to win the tournament to get into the NCAAs uh, but that's a team the first half of the year they gave up way too many goals really struggled de defending and <clears throat> that's kind of come around they've defended much better they have the number one power play in the country top 10 offense thereabouts um, and I think if they can go on a run, that's a dangerous team, uh, because when you're producing at 30% on the power play, a couple penalties and that can, it can, the score can run up in a hurry. And if they find a way into the tournament, they're playing in Fargo. So, uh, <laughs> that if there's one dark horse, that's kind of out of the picture that everyone's forgotten about. I, I do think that's a team nobody wants to play in the playoffs because that no, power play has been really good. They've scored, and if they get into the NCAAs, it's going to be a home game. Yeah, a home game and a very intense environment. I, I've been mm -hmm. around those Fighting Hawks fans, and 
I've, I, I still, I don't know if I've ever been to a hockey rink in like the last 15 years where some, there wasn't one North Dakota Jersey somewhere, just like some random North Dakota Jersey. So I even saw one in the Czech Republic and I was like, how, how is this, what's happening here? <laughs> um, yeah. so yeah, but that's the, you know, passionate fans will, will do that for you. But I, I, before we move on to the college free agents, which I know a lot of the, the hockey prospect fans are, are most looking forward to us talking about. You know, I just kind of wanted to run down a couple of different things. Like, I think you know, hockey East is is a bit of a, a, a just kind of a a crazy mess in terms of what their tournament picture looks like right now. Um, you know, you still have Boston University up there pretty comfortably in uh, sixth in the pairwise, but after that, nobody. You got Northeastern at seventeenth. So you know, you're all of a sudden you're having you, you look at like Merrimack had a good season. Providence has been really up and down. Boston College has not been nearly competitive at, at the level that they're that we're used to seeing them. Maine has actually been decent and could potentially be a threat. They've got a goalie that we're going to talk about um, in the in the college free agents as well. You know, like they're. You know, UConn has had maybe its best start. It did have its best start ever. They've got a high-end draft prospect in Matthew Wood. They've got a real good player at Ryan Torberg as well uh, that that continues to be a, a dominant player at, at, at the collegiate level. You know, Northeastern's got Devin Levi and Aiden McDonough, two of the top players in college hockey this season. But here we are, and, and we're looking at a very bleak picture for Hockey East where it might just be two teams in the tournament, which seems hard to believe. Yeah, they've uh, it, it's been a step back, especially as the year's gone on for for Hockey East and some of the teams that have fallen back to the pack. Uh, I think Northeastern is a really dangerous team because Devin Levi can steal a game at any point. Yep. Um, and and they do have some offensive gifted players. Um, you know that that would be a team I, I don't think anyone wants to see. Uh, BU, a lot of young talent. They might be a year away. Next year, you know, if you're already looking forward, that might be a preseason number one team right there. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, BC's a year away. They're, they're you know, loading up for next year on recruits, but not quite there yet. So, uh, yeah, it, it could be an interesting year for, for uh, Hockey East in the, in the tournament. Yeah, you know, I, I think Northeastern is going to be that threat, like you mentioned, you know, and, and I think basically, you know, we Boston University is pretty much in. And then, you know, hockey East, if they want another team in the tournament, they basically need somebody else to beat to, to beat them, mm-hmm. you know, to get to get an auto bid, um, which is which is crazy to think about. And that is going to be a gauntlet, really. I mean, you know, the teams, they're not bad. It's not that these teams are bad. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. I think that you just look at the Big Ten is really hogging the pairwise right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of like you look at Penn State, which I, are they aren't they sixth in the conference right now in terms of the conference yeah. standings? And they're they're actually top ten in the pairwise. Like you know, it's it's just the way things work out. It's all about who you play, when you play them, all where you play them. You know, what did you go to overtime? All these different factors go in there, and they all matter. And we've seen different situations where you know Minnesota Duluth barely makes it in via the pairwise one year. You know, there, there's there's all sorts of different machinations that have to take place. But just to give you just to give the listeners a picture of the pairwise as we're recording right now, you got Minnesota, Quinnipiac, Denver. Michigan. Uh, we haven't talked much about Michigan, but I was actually just in Ann Arbor and, and saw them play. Another game misconduct for Adam Fantilli uh, for contact to the head this year. Uh, St. Cloud State in fifth, as we talked about, a lot of issues there injury-wise that, that are going to cause problems. Boston University, 
you know, it kind of think it kind of comes down to Drew Camesso and how he's going to be able to play. Harvard, one of the more offensive teams in the country. Sean Farrell, second in the league, second in the nation in points per game this year. You know, legitimate Hobie Baker candidate and a guy that I think a lot of people are excited about and what he's done. Matt Coronado has been outstanding as well. Penn State and Ohio State, eight nine. Western Michigan, ten. Michigan Tech, off of you know the, just their incredible season and the unexpected season that they've had. Um, some big wins for them, including over Boston University earlier this year that helped their cause. Alaska, uh, Cornell at 13th. And then this is where you're we're talking bubble zone, you know, and, and that's 13th. Notre Dame at 14, Minnesota State 15, Omaha 16, Northeastern 17. So that's, you know, that's the picture of, of what you're looking at. And then you have to remember that the Atlantic Hockey will get an auto bid. RIT has been outstanding this season. Um, you know, they they won the regular season title. Now they have to go through the tournament. They're 22nd in the pairwise. They got to go through the tournament and get the auto bid. So that's the picture as we head into the postseason. Just remember, you watch the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey tournament starting this weekend. Um, and a lot of great, great games that we are going to be uh, really excited to bring you on Flow Hockey. So make sure you check that out and then also watch all of the playoff games that you can as we head into the national tournament. All right, Brad, I want to switch gears now because this is, I know when you had your podcast with Nate Ewell, this was always one of the things that I loved listening to most. And so I said, well, Nate had to go and work for the Vegas Golden Knights. And so he's gone. He's out of the picture. He's he, we, we may never hear from him again. Uh, But as far as your, as far as your concern, you and I, this is a lot of, th- we spend a lot of time on it. I put a story out at the very beginning of the season about top college free agents. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about it. I'm going to, I'm going to kick things off on the college free agent front. These are undrafted free agents. And then we're also going to talk about some of the guys that have draft rights that will expire this summer. So Brad, I want to start it here. Minnesota state is a team that every single year, it seems every single year, there is at least one defenseman that NHL teams are on trying to get as a college free agent this year, the top guy, I think the top college free agent in a, in a fairly weak crop, not a crop that has a lot of those. Every team is in on this guy. Everybody wants this guy. There are a number of players of intrigue, but I think the guy that probably is going to draw garner most of the interest is Jake's Jake Livingstone from Minnesota state. So, just to give a quick rundown on Livingstone, he's got good size. He is very productive. He plays massive minutes for his team. NHL teams have been talking about him for the last three years, um, and he he produces. You know, he 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 has gotten results for his team. He is second on Minnesota State with twenty eight points. He has twenty one assists, seven goals, so zero point eight two points per game. You know, he is a junior. Um, and I think there were a lot of teams that were on him last year as a 31-point defenseman. He was a big part of that team that went to the national championship game. Um, and now this year, another guy. So, you know, based on the buzz that you're hearing is, you know, are, has has Jake Livingstone continued to establish himself as the guy that most NHL teams are, are interested in, at least on the college free agent front? Yeah, definitely. It, it feels like you said it's a tradition. Like, which Minnesota State D-man is going to be the one that all these NHL teams want to sign? You know, Casey Nelson was the guy. Yeah. Uh, then it was Daniel Brickley. Then it was Connor Mackey. And now it's Jake Livingstone. It feels like it's deja vu. And, uh, you know, I think uh, all of those guys could have signed earlier than they did. 
and, and they all came back till at least they were juniors. So I, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, will garner a lot of interest and he's been playing well since his junior hockey uh, days. So uh, he will be one to watch for sure. Yeah. And you know, the other, the other tradition is a lot of those guys not playing many NHL games. That's the other thing that I think teams are looking at too. You know, Daniel Brickley didn't make it. Um, You know, Casey Nelson did for a period of time. um, And Connor Mackey is still kind of in limbo with the flames. He's had opportunities. He's, he's had it here and there. Um, uh, Wyatt Amit is another one who was signed by Colorado last year um, off of that team uh, as well. And, And actually, got a chance to see him at their rookie camp. I was like, Hey, this is, I, you know, he, he looks great out here amongst these young kids. Um, but yeah, but I, I think Livingstone in particular, the thing about him is that there's always been a track record. It's, it's been from the very beginning that he's been a productive defenseman. He was a very productive player in junior. So having a track record on top of being, you know, that older player that has, you know, doesn't need as much development time. Still, I mean, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't see any, any way that Livingstone jumps into an NHL lineup next season, to, unless it, he could in the right situation. But I mean, he's a six foot three, 200 pound right shot defenseman and teams will always pay a premium for that. And that's why there will always be a number of players. But another guy that, I, that has, has definitely garnered interest over the last couple of years is another Minnesota State defenseman, and and it goes back to his freshman season as well. I remember NHL teams saying we we really like to sign this player, um, and, and that's Akito Hirose. And Hirose is currently he should hit his career high in points this year. Uh, he, he's currently at twenty five and thirty three games played. He's a six foot left shot defenseman, twenty three years old, really good skater. Um, his mobility is is the key to him having success. There are teams that are not going to be going after him as aggressively as some of these others because of the size he's not a he's not an amazing defender um you know and the puck game is only you know it's not high end so that's one thing that I do want to stress when we talk about these college free agents and all these teams are interested they're interested in a free asset they're not in they they don't they're just giving these guys a chance not every college free agent is going to turn into you know the the high, high end guys. You're not always going to get a Chris Tanev. You're not always going to get a Tyler Bozak. You know, there, there, there are a lot of different players that, that have played a long time in this league that did come in as undrafted free agents. But in a lot of cases, you're looking for organizational depth and a chance, a guy with a chance. And I think Akito Hiroshi is a typical guy of, he's a guy with a chance. He's not a lock, but he's a guy with a chance. Your thoughts. Yeah. And, and his brother did the same thing. If I recall correctly, uh, Taro was an undrafted free agent who signed with uh, Detroit and he hasn't been an everyday NHLer, but he's played, you know, he's, he's got his games with the Red Wings and, um, you know, I I think that's an important point that you make about what teams are looking for. And one thing that's jumped out to me, not to go off on a side tangent here, but uh, what we're seeing in the trading deadline, a lot of teams are trading away draft picks and a lot of draft picks. These teams yep. need to fill out their organization. They're not going to be able to do it with draft picks like usual. So I think there are going to be a lot of teams that say, well, we don't have any draft picks to sign, so it's time to go for the college free agents to get in place of these draft picks. And some of them are, you know, they know full well they're going to be AHL players for them, but you need AHL players too. So yep. um, 
I, I think we're going to see a lot of teams, especially the ones that are trading away draft picks, go hard after these college free agents to fill those roles. And, um, you know, Hiroshi a guy who I, I think that's a good point you make, that he's a guy uh, we'll see where he ends up, but he's a guy you'd take a chance on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the thing is, you know, teams are he- are investing heavily in this market. It's not, and I, I mean, not just investing in signing players. They are putting staff members from their scouting staff, their pro scouting staff or their amateur scouting staff, specifically on undrafted free agents. And this will be all they watch for the entire season. Um, and mm-hmm. and it not, not, not in every team. Some teams, this is like part of the responsibilities. Some teams, it's like, this is what we want you to do. We want you to go after these college free agents. We want you to watch the, the undrafted CHL players, the undrafted um, European players. I think there will probably be a better market for European players this year, and it's not a strong one there either than there would be in junior or college this season. But that is that NHL teams are doing that. And, and Brad, excellent point about the trade deadline. If you are the Tampa Bay Lightning, the, the thing you know, one of the things that makes the Lightning special so they they draft well outside of the first round, and they continually find undrafted free agents to fill roster spots. And this goes back before the Stanley Cup years. Andre Schuster, JT Brown, uh, Tyler Johnson. You know, they 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 found players that were going to be able to contribute to their team. Um, and 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 that's now. I think that's part of their they, they they traded away what five draft picks for Tanner Janot. They're it's they're like, well, we're, we'll make it up somewhere. We'll make it up somewhere. You know, you know, we still have some of our other prospects, but you know, and, and I think it these teams that are in contend mode, like the Pittsburgh Penguins, have been very aggressive on the college free agent market. They've signed a lot of different guys um in in that that have come and played for their team in like, you know, like Zach Aston Reese or Drew O'Connor or, you know, a number of players that have, have, have made an impact. So, um, yeah, so it's just, that's, that's what we're talking about. So I want to ask you, Brad, I want to, you know, we talked about the two guys at Minnesota state. They're very popular. They're not necessarily like, you know, Hiroshi isn't, I'm not trying to say he's like the number two college free agent or anything, but I did want to bring them up together since they are teammates and they have been pursued for a while. Maybe what's a, couple more names that that you've heard more recently in terms of guys that the teams are looking at i'll throw out a few you know first of all there there are a bunch in the conference i cover uh, most closely in the nchc absolutely Um, the the other thing i think to note too is a lot of times when teams look at these college free agents uh, you see the guys who have big points and who are uh, scoring a lot however some of these teams already have first round draft picks who are filling in their top six. They are, right. there's not much. What they're looking for sometimes is a guy who can play that fourth line role, maybe third line role on a cheap contract and be a good player. I covered a guy named Cole Smith. He did not score 20 goals at the college level, but he's become an everyday free agent signing for the Nashville Predators. And there are a lot of guys who scored more than Cole Smith in college, but he fits a role really well for them. A guy that I think some teams view as fitting a role really well for them is Parker Ford. You know, he's a, he might not have a million points, but he's not a guy they're penciling in to be a first-line player. They have their first-line guys. He can be a really good complement guy, um, kind of like a Tanev maybe. 
and you know maybe that name's in my head because they played at the same college but um <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's the that's the type of player people look at Parker Ford as being at the next level and and I think there are teams that really really like him for that reason yeah absolutely I think those are that those are really good ones um to to bring up and you know, I, I think Parker Ford in particular, he, he's a guy that had an NHL contract on the table last year, could have left, mm-hmm. decided to go back to Providence. I think he wanted, you know, he, he's a guy that's got passed over in multiple drafts and he is an acquired taste. Honestly, he really is. It's not it's not that he's a, 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 but he plays a style that can help you win. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure for the listeners sake, we were talking about Brandon Tanev and not Chris, since I mentioned Chris Tanev earlier. But, you know, Brandon Tanev went to Providence yeah. and I mean. That guy's an absolute missile when it comes to skating and and forechecking, and he play, he fits and plays a role. Um, one guy that I think has an interesting upside to him, another NCHC player, and a guy that I find really intriguing because I think he's a bit of a late bloomer, but I know NHL teams are looking at him, and that's Hunter McCown from Colorado College. He is a forward. He has 17 goals so far this season and 32 games played. Um a bit of a late bloomer, you know, he went to the national team development program, you know, was a guy that got sent down from the under 18 team to the under 17 team. That does happen sometimes at the end of the season. Some of those guys pan out just fine. Others, you know, don't necessarily get those opportunities to get drafted. Um, He didn't get drafted, but he did go to Colorado college. And over these last two years, he's really taken off. He's, He's, his game has really grown. He even got invited to the world junior championship, played for team USA in the summer world juniors. And I think that's where, Scouts started to see, oh, there's a little something there. There's 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 more than meets the eye. He's six foot one, about 200 pounds, hard to knock off the puck, good hands and a good shot. You just saw him, so I leave it to you. What do you think of Hunter McCown as a, as a potential NHL free agent? Yeah, I've seen a lot of him going back to the NCHC pod where his career started. So I think I saw like his first eight, nine games uh, in Omaha there. And I thought right away you could see the skill. His hands were unbelievably good. He uh, scored some highlight reel shootout goals uh, for CC in the pod, but he was he got knocked off the puck quite easily. He he wasn't yeah. very strong, and I, I thought you could see well he's really skilled, but you know man he gets pushed around fairly easily. Then all of a sudden last year, uh, they came up to Grand Forks and he was one of their better players, and so he was getting targeted and he was fighting through all of that. And that was when the the uh, light bulb kind of went on for me, like, oh my goodness, like this guy's had the skill, but now he is becoming a horse. He is fighting through these guys. He is a big, strong kid now. He made huge improvements to his strength. And that's why I was really surprised no one drafted him last year. I was like, if, right. if you saw him at the end of last year, he was doing a lot of these things. So when he got picked up for the summer world junior team, I thought, well, absolutely. Like the way he ended the, his sophomore year, he looked great. Uh, he, he performed well with the world junior team. Uh, and then all of a sudden he has parlayed that into a really, really good year for a CC team that is very good defensively and cannot score. And so to have 17 goals on that team and, and, you know, I thought every time he was on the ice, you knew it. Um, he, he, the, the power play, if he gets a shot off, he his uh, the speed on his shot, I would love to uh, know what the clock is from freshman year to sophomore year to right now because he, he's one of those guys when he fires the puck, you kind of stop and go, okay, that was a different pace than everyone else is doing. Um, 
I think he's turned into a great player who has progressed significantly every single year. And so I think college or NHL teams have to be really excited about the package and in, including where it's still going because he's still on his way up. Absolutely. And, you know, that's it's just it's why it's important to watch these guys and their progression and the different things that they're able to do. And I think when you look at this and, and, and you know, the other thing about Hunter McCown is it's not like he's super far. You know, he's he hasn't turned he won't turn 21 until August 18th. This is a young junior that we're mm-hmm. talking about here. This is a guy with a lot of development road ahead of him. Um, and so that's why I think, to me, he's one of the more valuable pieces on the market right now with the most upside because he has really taken his game to a different level. And I think when you see a guy that improves as he did, especially in the strength department, you know there's a certain level of dedication there. You know there's a certain mm-hmm. level of work ethic. It is not easy to do. And it is also one of the benefits of college hockey is that you go into a program like a CC that, you know, they've, they've got some really good talent coming in and you look mm-hmm. at the job that Chris Mayotte has done there and it's been very strong and they in, in Peter Menino with the recruiting, they've done a really nice job. And now you, but that Hunter McCown is proof that they are developing players as well. You can't, you can't just bring them in. You got to make them better. And Hunter McCown is better than he was, you know, a couple of years ago. And so that is why he has a chance. I want to burn through just a couple of guys real quickly that I wanted to at least mention. Um, you know, we're hearing more buzz about Sam Belinsky, an offensive right shot defenseman, average size, uh, but he's playing at Cornell. He's got quite a few points this season, been a really intriguing talent. I know that there, you've also heard some of the buzz on him. My pal Corey Promen had him pretty high up on his list of college free agents. Um, and so keep an eye on that name. And then one other thing that about college free agents, you know, there are going to be a lot of guys that are big, you know, guys that have some size that have some stability. Um, you know, I look at guys, particularly, I think Jackson Nelson is the guy that I'm thinking of most is like, Hey, we're going to take a chance on this guy. Who's got a lot of size can play the middle of the ice. You know, maybe he'll be on our third, fourth line. Maybe he'll be a guy that we, you know, we have for some depth. But I think Jackson Nelson from the University of Minnesota is a guy that will get a lot. Uh, Take some million D zone faceoffs. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that speaks to teams. I think about guys like Justin Richards and you know others where they're like, hey, this guy does a lot of the defensive elements of the game. Well, is there a spot for him in the NHL? And when you throw in the size that Jackson Nelson has, then you're absolutely in there. And then I think one of the goalies goalies have been. Uh, a pretty significant share of college free agents over the years. Not a ton of them have panned out. Cam Talbot famously is one of the ones that did. Um, not a ton of them have have made it. We're starting to see some of the glimpses of Jackson Stauber, who signed with Chicago last season, a bit of a surprise, leaving Providence a little early. Uh, but he's already you know, appeared in games for the Blackhawks, and they might have to stop calling him up because he's won a lot of his starts. And they're not really trying to win this year, so maybe not do that. But the the one guy that I'm hearing uh, more about this season is Victor Ostman, the goalie from Maine. I don't know if you've heard much about him as well, but you know he's a guy that has size. He's playing well. I talked about how Maine has actually been a little bit more competitive and under the radar competitive team this year uh, that has had some really good series in Hockey East. And I think that he's a guy that will will continue to draw NHL interest. And I think. You know, goalies. If you're if you're a college free agent goalie, you better be six foot two or taller. Essentially, yeah. I think that's the main thing. But I mean, I, I 
I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is any any additional buzz on, on Victor Osman on your end? For sure. You know, I, I think you look at the his size right away and, and that's yes. he's what, six four, he's having a great year. Um, I, I don't really know if people look at past trends of programs because uh, coaches and everything change over the years. But Maine has a, about as good of an alumni list in college hockey that exists for goalies. When you go back to, you know, Ben Bishop and um, Swayman Jimmy and, and uh, Jimmy Howard and now, you know, Victor <laughs> Osman's, you know. Sure, you can go back to had, Garth Snow. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've had quite the run of impressive goalies that have gone through there. And like I said, I don't know how much people weigh that, but um, it, it can't hurt. No, I can't. And, you know, I mean, Victor Osman's a guy that, that came out of the Swedish system, you know, stuck mostly the U-20 league and, and then came over to the USHL, had a really good season with Chicago. And now he's, you know, three years into college hockey. And all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to get some significant buzz. And he, and you know, in goalie years too, 22 years old right now, very young in goalie years. We start saying, okay, well, hopefully he's kind of closing in on that job by 24 if, and you'd expect them to be there by 26. This is a long-term kind of thing, um, and so if you're a if you're a place that that has you know goaltending needs, he's one of them. You know some of the other guys that we've heard a lot of. You know Reese Gaber, a guy you see all the time. Jacob Bankson, uh, defenseman from Lake Superior State. Uh, T.J. Hughes at Michigan. He's a freshman this season, but coming off of a remarkable year with the AJHL's Brooks Bandits last year, he and Ryan McAllister really tore it up, and now they are impact freshmen. Um, Hughes has got quickness and a little bit of tenacity, and he's really helped uh, give Michigan a, a better second line. Um, so that helps his cause. And then the last guys I wanted to touch on before we move on, and there are more. Um, you'll be able to read about more of these guys on Flow Hockey coming up soon. Um, but I did want to touch on Western Michigan, which has been suddenly a, a bit of a hothouse for college free agents, draft re-entries, different guys like that. Um, but you've got, you know, Jason Poland, Max Sasson, and, and Ryan McAllister. As I mentioned, I think all three of those guys are going to get NHL interest, whether or not, you know, Poland is a senior, the other guys more time, um, whether they leave or not. But any thoughts on, on that trio of Western Michigan players and anybody else from Western Michigan that I might have been missing? Yeah, uh, very different players, all of them. Uh, Poland yes. is scoring a ton of goals. He he did it in the USHL too. Like at the very end of his USHL career, uh, he he went wild, if I remember right. And he's he's kind of doing that this year. He obviously shoots the puck really well. You don't lead the country in goals without doing that. The the other thing you'll notice is he he protects it really well when he's on rushes. He can kind of have guys lean on him, and he'll just kind of lean back on them and and hold the puck and. Uh, that's something that I've definitely noticed is how good he is at protecting it, which allows him to get that shot off. Uh, he, you know, the, the other amazing part of all, about all his goals, he doesn't even play a goal scoring role on the power play. He's like the yeah. goal line net front guy. Like he's not even the primary option <laughs> there. So it's, it's not like he's a one trick yeah. pony that's getting backdoor feeds. Like he's, uh, he's turned into a really good player for them. Sasson is the center on that line. He seems to just keep us, he keeps ascending. Uh, last year, they kind of had to force him into a second line center role, and he fit in just fine. And I think that's yeah. where kind of some of the, the lights went off like, okay, you've got a big kid here who's already playing second line center and doing it very well. Where is his progression going to go? Well, now he's playing first line center on one of the highest scoring lines in the country. 
And, you know, he doesn't score as much as McAllister or Poland, uh, but he's a very key piece to that uh, unit. And, and McAllister's more of a smaller skill guy. Um, he, he's, he makes great passes. You know, he, he plays on the, the left side on the power play. Uh, Jamie Rome's on the other side with the one-timer. And one thing that I noticed, he, he can come down and really freeze defenses. And he, he'll be in a position where I go, okay, well, there's no way he can make a pass across his body now. The guy's too, he's too, too low. And he'll pull a pass all the way across the zone and put it right on the tee. Like, he can really set up teammates. He, he's a better shooter that, uh, than you'd expect sometimes, too. Like, for a guy that passes really well, you might think, well, he's not, he doesn't have that great a shot. He, he can be the goalie. So he has that element to it. His consistency has been a little bit up and down. Yep. Uh, he's a guy who probably could have signed after last year too. I think there were some teams that wanted to sign him right out of junior. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's going to have a lot of interest. And I, I think you mentioned the, those Brooks Bandits guys, uh, yeah. you know, McAllister Hughes and then you know a guy that we'll probably talk about on this show in three years down the line is Zach Bookman a defenseman yep. at Merrimack he was the big D-man scorer there a lot of people really like him too he's not there yet but in two or three years I bet we're talking about him on this uh this show so um yeah, yeah I, I think all those western guys are intriguing and, and they've sent a lot of guys to the NHL recently and um, I would expect uh, these guys are going to get a lot of interest. Absolutely. And, and you know, to, to that point, the other one of the best ways to look at when you're looking at college free agents, look at their junior scoring track record. You know, oh. they were they were passed over for whatever reason in the draft as juniors. And may, and in a lot of in a lot of cases, it's like, OK, you did it in junior. Now I want to see you do it at a higher level. And when they do it at college as well. And they have, you know, certain physical attributes. NHL teams are going to maintain that interest and then get those yeah. players, which is why you see guys like TJ Hughes and, and Ryan McAllister, who who aren't big guys, but now they've done it at the college level as well in big, substantial roles for their teams. It's just another level of proof for, for scouts out there. And, um, and you asked about uh, other Western guys. They have one other guy who's a right shot D man, and you know that teams love right shot D man. And Zach Galambos is putting up a ton of points yes. for them. Um, and so he's a, a good one. he's a guy who started his career at Minnesota State Mankato, transferred to American International. Now he's at uh, Western Michigan. He's another guy to keep an eye on because te- guys love those right shot D's, and and uh, Galambos is having a great year. Absolutely. So. There, as I said, there are more college free agents out there. There are going to be guys that Brad and I aren't even thinking of that are going to mm-hmm. sign. Um, and these aren't all the guys that we're thinking of either. It's just, you know, for the podcast, wanted to try to hit some of the high points. I, I really do think, you know, Livingstone, McCown, uh, Ostman, these are guys that are going to be among those those players that, that get a lot of interest and, and have a lot of suitors. And they're also guys that I think have a chance. That's the other thing. Like I'm mm-hmm. not everyone I'm going to list on a college free agent list. I, I have a ton of faith in that, that have a chance to be an NHL player. Those are guys that I think could be. Um, and so that's to keep in mind. One other thing before we move completely on from college free agents, we're going to let Brad get out of here in just a second as well. But Brad, I wanted to talk about some of these players on expiring draft rights with expiring draft rights. Now, as everybody knows, we've seen guys like Jimmy VC, Justin Schultz, um, you know, plenty of high profile instances over these last several years. Um, Kevin Hayes, another one, you know, like plenty of guys that, that, that have, have been high profile players that allowed their draft rights to expire signed as a free agent elsewhere. 
There are a few that I want. I'm just going to only hit on a few of them. There are multiple. There's actually more this year than there are in a regular year where there are guys that are that are very intriguing. One of them just got traded, Henry Thrun, who's the senior defenseman for Harvard, their captain, um, nearly a point-per-game player on the back end for that team, was drafted by the Anaheim Ducks, just traded to San Jose. So now San Jose took the risk. They sent, they sent a 2024 third-round pick for him, and they have a chance to sign him. Um they have a chance before everybody else. However, Henry Thrun just needs to get out of school, and then by August 15th, he can sign with any team he wants to. Um, and so that is very enticing. Last year, we saw Jack McBain and Nathan Smith have their rights traded at the at or near the deadline to the Arizona Coyotes. They both signed with the Coyotes. A few years prior to that, Jimmy VC had his draft rights traded to the Buffalo Sabres. He did not sign with Buffalo. They got nothing and liked it. And he, he did end up on the Sabres eventually, but not in the way that they would have wanted. And maybe they dodged a bullet at the at the outset um, by, by not having him at that point in time in their their franchise. But he's having a great year now. Um, so you, you know, so that's that's the situation. So Henry Theron is one of those guys that now is in that. But I I want since he's kind of been talked about, I wanted to mention a couple others. And one of to me the most interesting and probably the best one um, is Aiden McDonough from Northeastern. He is drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. He can allow his draft rights to expire. He's one of the, he's been one of the top goal scorers in college hockey. And now he has an opportunity to go free agent. Now he never said that he didn't want to sign with the Vancouver Canucks, but there's plenty of speculation out there that he would likely become a free agent. I think if he did, there would be no shortage of teams after him. Very good player. Um, if, if, if he becomes a free agent, he'll be highly coveted for sure. You know, I, he's a, a bigger kid. He plays big. Um, I, I thought, you know, the games I've watched, you, you can, you notice when he has the puck for sure. He's uh, he can score and um, a very good player for Northeastern. Yeah. And, you know, he's he scores big goals as well. He's had a lot of, you know, overtime game winners, shootout winners. He helped him win the bean pot this year. Um, you know, and this is a guy that was, you know, drafted as a seventh round draft pick. You know, and those are the guys that you're like, oh, man, what a what a find. What a find. And then all of a sudden you, you're like, wow, that is a great pick for us. And then he doesn't sign with you. And that's it, it stings. Um, but that is a possibility. And, you know, keep in mind as well that, you know, the the. You know, the, the group that drafted him is no longer there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so the people that have been recruiting him, you know, some of them are, but some of them are not. Um, so that is that is another part of it. Um, another name that will be much talked about is Eric Portillo, uh, the goaltender from Michigan. He is a junior right now, could decide to go back. I think all signs are pointing to him signing or exploring this free agent option. Um, big goalie, athletic Still very raw, still needs a lot of development. But if you're a team that doesn't have a lot of goaltending, I think you're going to be hot on Portillo's heels. And the reason that Portillo is unlikely to sign with Buffalo is they have Devin Levi, they have Uka Pekulukinen. It's not just that they're there and blocking his path to the NHL. It's also because when you're a goaltender, there are only so many reps to go around. And either, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you end up either in the ECHL or they have to loan you out to another AHL team. And so you're away from your franchise. There are a lot of different things that happen. Um, so, but Portillo is another one of those guys. Um, and, and one guy that I wanted you to chime in on um, is 
a guy that we kind of forget about because he spent extra time in junior after his draft. He was a seventh round draft pick, former commit to North Dakota, ends up at Denver. Massimo Rizzo, who's having a phenomenal sophomore season, he is actually, he was a 2019 draft pick, so he is eligible to become a free agent. Any thoughts on, on Rizzo? Because he is a Carolina Hurricanes draft pick, and he is a guy that I'm, you know, I, I think he's starting to see his value go up. And and Carolina has done a very good job of drafting these guys that, that might not be the biggest, might not be the strongest, but they're highly skilled. Yeah, he's had a really interesting development path. You know, when he was, you know, 16, he's the the best young player in Western Canada, uh, highly touted and everything. Uh, then all of a sudden he ran into a lot of injury troubles. You know, the, the year of his draft, he was – uh, he didn't play a full season. Uh, then he, he comes back the next year to Coquitlam. He gets traded to Coquitlam, doesn't play a full season. Uh, then all of a sudden it's the COVID year and he doesn't play at all. And so, you know, it, it had been a long time since he had a full season in uh, until he got to Denver last year. And he uh, obviously fit in on that team really well last year, has taken even more strides this year as an offensive point producer and, you know, now I think we're seeing why he was uh, so highly touted when he was a younger player. And, you know, obviously it, it looked for a while like injuries could really derail his uh, path and his development. But uh, clearly they have not. Yeah. And I, and I also just want to mention, too, there's no indication that that some of these players are going to skirt their draft rights and sign elsewhere. I think in Rizzo's case, too, there's not any indication at this point whether or not he's going to sign or stay for another year. I mean, he, he got to college late, but he's now had two really successful seasons, helped the team win a national championship last year, has over 40 points this season, playing really well with Carter Mazur, you know, though there, but still there's a chance. So he could very easily sign with Carolina and be done with it. But Carolina has a lot of bodies in their prospect system and a lot of guys to fight through for spots. Um, so that's, the reason why, you know, I, I bring a guy like him up. A couple other interesting ones I just want to quickly mention. Robert Mastro-Simone, who, who transferred to um, uh, Arizona State. He was a second-round draft pick of Detroit. Had a tough go at Boston University. Some of the pandemic restrictions really curtailed development time for some of the guys at BU. Um, so that was a, a difficult one. But, you know, he's another guy, second-round pick, so you never know. Very well could sign, but would have the option to go free agent. Carter Guylander, another uh, uh, Detroit draft pick, big goaltender from Colgate, six foot five. He's having a career year this year. He's a junior, has a chance to go back, kick the can down the road a little bit. But I think there would be teams interested. I don't think I wouldn't rule out him getting signed by Detroit either. But those are the guys. And then the last guy I want to bring up, and I'll, I'll bring you in on on this one, Ryan Johnson, first round pick of the Buffalo Sabers. There's been some chatter that he's amenable to sign with Buffalo. However. If Buffalo doesn't sign him, they get a compensatory second-round draft pick. And getting a compensatory second-round draft pick, based on Ryan Johnson, who I think has NHL upside and can be an NHL player, I, I put this question to you, Brad Schlossman. If, if you had the choice between Ryan Johnson and the 31st pick in the second round of this year's draft, what would be, how would you handle that if you're Kevin Adams? 
I think Ryan Johnson is uh, the, the, the odds that you're going to get a better player than Ryan Johnson at that spot in the draft, I don't think is great. Um, I, I'd have to go back and look at the track record of guys who were taken there, but my hunch is they're better off with Ryan Johnson. I think they are too. The only reason that I would say that there's got to be at least a thought from Kevin Adams is because of what they have on the left side of their defense for the next eight years. Yeah. You know, like yeah. basically, you know, you're looking at guys that you want to have to play on the right side. You're looking at Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, you know, Matias Samuelson's on their blue line, long-term contract. You've got a number of other players within your system that are coming as well. Um, but I agree with you. I think that at worst, he's comparable value because I think he's got the chance to be an everyday NHLer. I think he's probably closer to a number five defenseman. I don't think he's going to be on your power play. He'll be on your PK. He'll play, you know, manage minutes in, in certain situations. He'll play tough. He, he can play tough matchups. He's a brilliant skater. There's a lot of different things there, but he is a player where as a first round draft pick, should he not sign, you get a compensatory draft pick. And Minnesota last year, decided, well, instead of Philip Johansson, we're going to take the draft pick. And that was a much clearer case where the draft pick was more valuable than the player. Um, mm -hmm. That is much less clear here. But I did want to bring it up. And also, Sabres fans, don't freak out. We don't have any indication that Johnson is going to go free agent, but he has that capability. And if he does, well, then you get a draft pick out of the deal. Not bad. Um, all right. Brad, I, I thank you so much for your time. We ran through a lot of different things. I'm sure we'll run through more. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back when we get close to Frozen Four time, as we often do. Uh, but you're always great and, and a wealth of information, and I appreciate uh, you uh, dropping by the podcast once again. It's always fun to chat. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Brad Schlossman of the Grand Forks Herald. You can follow him at SchlossmanGF on Twitter. Lots of great college hockey info. I hope that you enjoyed our chat. Now, we didn't get into the, the multitude of college free agents like Brad and Nate used to do on the old College Hockey Today podcast, but we covered a lot of ground. Before we head out and before I close out the show, it is NHL trade deadline time as we record this, of course, on March 3rd, Friday. That is when everything will happen. We don't want to spend too much time on that because it would become old information pretty quickly. But a lot of prospects have moved. We talked about Henry Thurun already as a guy that moved. Um, Reed Schaefer going to the Nashville Predators is part of the Matias Ekholm deal, so that's a nice haul there. Shakir Mukamadoulin going to the San Jose Sharks in the Timo Meyer trade. Um, and Nikita Okotuk, who I think is another good player um, that, that, that San Jose managed to, to get in that Meyer deal. They didn't get any of the top prospects from, uh, from New Jersey. Uh, although Mukabadoulin, I think is a, an A level prospect right now based on the development that he's shown in these last couple of years in the KHL and he's already under contract, but we do expect that prospects and picks will continue to move. And that's why college free agents, um, you know, stockpiling draft picks, draft picks traded for other things like say a Henry Thrun, who you're only getting his negotiating rights. Um, those are the different things that are going to happen over the course of this deadline. And so on flow hockey, we will have a lot of coverage specifically about the prospects that are moving at the deadline. We won't spend as much time on the draft picks because that's a lot of variables at play, but we will talk about the prospects. I've been doing it. You can read about different trades that have been made like 
St. Louis getting Zach Dean in the, in the trade uh, for Ivan Barbashev and different things like that, where we kind of evaluate the returns. And it also gives you a better idea of what kind of prospect your favorite team is getting. So I highly recommend that you come over to flowhockey.tv. You check out some of the stuff that we're doing around the trade deadline and also have a great story up about Pavel Gogolev, who was playing for the Newfoundland Growlers. Mike Ashmore caught up with him. He actually had a, an interview scheduled well before he was traded. Gogolev kept the appointment, and now we have a very quick account of what happened in the immediate aftermath of being traded as an ECHL player as part of the uh, the big trade that Toronto and Chicago made involving Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty going to the Maple Leafs. So a lot there. Definitely check out that story about Pavel Gogolev and much more to come. I know a lot of you are still waiting for my draft rankings. That will come after the trade deadline. We got to get through that first. But my next draft rankings, my well-belated midseason draft rankings are coming. We will also get back to your questions at next week's episode. And I am going to be on the road a little bit less here in the next few weeks. So we will have more podcasts. We will get to on a more consistent schedule. And as I mentioned, subscribe. Please leave a kind rating and review on your app of choice. And also you can watch this podcast on YouTube and flowhockey.tv. You can watch it right there on the Flow Hockey app if you want. You can throw it up on your TV and blow this face up really big um, as if it couldn't get any bigger. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. It's always a pleasure to have Brad Schlossman on. I thank him for his time. I thank Nico for producing today and for hanging out with us. And all of you for joining us every single week asking good questions, interacting with the podcast, and listening. It is much appreciated. Can't wait to bring many more episodes to you very, very soon. My name is Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense. We'll catch you next week. 